Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm Dr. Mark DeBrinkett, and this is the Good News Doctor podcast. And today I am very excited because we have a, a controversial topic to talk about today, and it's chiropractic versus physical therapy. And I think a lot of people have many misconceptions about what chiropractic is and, and absolutely what physical therapy is and isn't. And so today I'm here to kind of pull the veil back and explain the difference and at least my perception of chiropractic and our profession. So let me first say that I am a chiropractor and it's 28 years now that I have been practicing chiropractic and it has been quite a journey. And uh, through all of that, I was injured, completely disabled and had to overcome all odds of recovery. And chiropractic was definitely a huge component of that. I think out of all the healthcare professionals out there, chiropractic is probably has the most diversity in our field than any other, which means you could go to a chiropractor and have a completely different experience between one versus the next versus the next. In fact, if you went to a hundred of them, you'd probably have a hundred different experiences. And so we all have different philosophies and reasons why we do what we do. But in essence, we are all on the same page as we're nervous system doctors. And we deal with skeletal structural systems with the musculoskeletal system and the nerves. And so our whole goal and scope of practice is to remove subluxations, which is basically the extent of a joint that lost its normal motion, which is interfering with the biomechanics of walking. So if you understand the word gravity and the word physics, you'll understand chiropractic completely because it's all about where we're bearing weight and that area is going to cause arthritis or degeneration or disruption to the soft tissue faster than anywhere else if it's not being put in the right place and you're not bearing weight in the right place. And so let me first come out and say that all chiropractors can definitely be divided into two groups. We have wellness doctors and then we have corrective care doctors. If you think of the dental profession, you have dentists and you have orthodontists. Dentists are more for hygiene and orthodontists are more for the change of structure so the bite is different. And so chiropractors are the same. The wellness doctors, they're going to adjust and check any joint and every joint in your body and bring proper function back into that joint by manipulating that joint to move properly the way it was designed to move. The problem is, like I mentioned before, gravity and physics will put the stress back into those same spots. So then we have corrective care doctors that are going after the primary reasons why you lost your stability and then make the body unadapt to bring stability back. And so I'm more of the corrective care doctor versus just a wellness check and move at all. And so when we talk about corrective care, there's basically two components to the gravity and physics that you need to understand. One of them is the front view of my body and where is my gravity of center line. And the other is my side view of the body and how are my curves in the spine because the bones are designed to have two hands that hold the bone up above and then two feet that's stepping on the bone below. So our skeletal system is supposed to be bearing the weight of our body. Now, when we lose those proper curves in our spine, we bear the weight on the soft tissue, not the bones. And it's not designed to bear the weight for too long without having disruption and degeneration and decay and all sorts of problems happen in those areas. 
And so when we look at the front view, we have a gravity of center that goes down your entire body, and it's supposed to be on the top line or in the middle of the top bone of your neck and through the middle of the pelvis at the bottom. And so if ever you have an injury where you fall or have a car accident and you're knocked off that center of gravity, you're going to adapt and you're going to find it again. But now your posture is going to be off. Okay. And so if you stay off your center of gravity, you don't have what's called equilibrium coordination and spatial orientation, which means I don't bump into things when I walk around the house. So if my caboose is over to the left and my upper body is over to the right, my left side's going to hit the coffee tables and the chairs and the things and the walls just because perceptionally I believe my body is supposed to be below myself. Okay, And so, again, wherever I come off that center of gravity line is where all the arthritis and the disc degeneration and all the problems are going to arise. And so we do very specific care to only go after the primary segment and allow the body to unadapt to get you back on that center of gravity line. And then when we talk about the side curves in your neck, when you lose that curve, the weight of your head is now on a disc. And the disc isn't going to be very forgiving. It's going to start like a, like a jelly donut. It's going to start to migrate and move in the direction that the bones are pushing it. And if that disc even grazes your spine, I remember my surgeons told me that your spine doesn't like to be looked at cross-eyed let alone scratched, poked, or moved to the side a little bit. And so if it touches your spine, you'll feel like somebody just stabbed you in the neck or in your spine wherever that disc touched. So your body's going to adapt very quickly and start to grow bone and build a wall of arthritis to prevent that disc from touching the, the sacred area of your spine. Now, in doing that, you're going to lose some of the peripheral issues. So your hands might start to tangle or lose strength. But your body is basically just sacrificing your arms to protect the spine, okay? Because if that spine gets damaged, I don't move. I'm in so much pain. Please, somebody call somebody. Cut my neck. I don't care what you have to do. Just make the pain go away, please. And so your body is amazing at doing that. And so in corrective care, we can identify where you're growing the most arthritis and where you're bearing the most weight. And then we relieve the stress off of that area. And when it's no longer a threat, we see those bones reabsorb just as fast as they grew into that area because it's no longer a threat. It wants to give you your arms back or your legs back and not have all this radiating pain. So in essence, we have multiple systems that run this amazing thing we call our body. The most important system we have is our nervous system. Why? Because it guides, dictates, and directs the function of every one of our hundred trillion cells. So it's super important. The next is our, is our blood, because our blood's bringing the nutrients and the oxygen to all the tissues so that they can actually function and do those things. So when we address the, the postural misalignments and the structural and put the weight back onto the bones the way they're supposed to be, it's amazing how your body transforms itself and the, and the soft tissue. It has a lifespan, so it's remodeling anyway. And if it remodels to a joint that's stable or that's structurally sound, you're going to return back to that original DNA of the soft tissue and everything else. So in my journey, I've been to hundreds of doctors. I've been to multiple physical therapists, multiple acupuncturists and massage therapists, and you name it. I'm an outside the box thinker. I spent 17 years trying to break the code and finally get pain free. And it wasn't by lack of trying. I've certainly tried for every single year, every single doctor. And honestly, I love and respect every healthcare professional until they give me a reason not to. 
And so with that, I just absolutely love and respect when they finally realize that we've hit the end of what they know and where they think they can take me. And they're honest and they say, you know what? I don't think I can help you anymore. This isn't something that I think if we keep doing, you're going to finally see that breakthrough. And I appreciate that more than anything. And I think doctors are afraid to tell the patient that they don't know what to do next. And so, but that's, that's the Hippocratic oath that we took. Do no harm. And nothing upsets me more when people go to even another chiropractor and they say that I went to this person three times a week for a year and I left crying every single time because I was in so much pain, but I kept thinking I was going to get better. And shame on that practitioner for not knowing that you need to change and pivot the course of treatment if you're not getting any results. That's just insanity when you do the same thing over and over again and expect something different to come out of it. We expect our patient to feel better the first day walking out of the office. And if not the first couple few days, we need to pivot. We need to try something else. And so, you know, that's the difference between trying to find somebody that's in a private practice that has the ability to continuously be the forever student and always learn what else is out there. I mean, there's so much health technology being delivered all the time. And if you're not open to it, you're just not going to get there. So um, with that, we strive to get people better as quick as possible and keep them well. Now, my main focus is, is musculoskeletal, but really neurological. And there's so many things in the musculoskeletal world that we don't do as chiropractors, maybe because it's time uh, or the different therapies that we offer. And so a lot of times if we're not seeing results immediately, we want to refer out to somebody that can go deeper and, and really help us. And so today I'm very excited to have a, a very good friend of mine, Dr. Megan and she is actually my doctor. And when I get jacked up and, and can't find the way to find the pain relief, even with all that I know how to do, I go to her and then she pulls out all these amazing different things. And it's really surprised me because my experience with physical therapy in the past was a lot of stretching and a lot of TheraBand exercises and basically trying to change the resting state of the muscle. When I'm not using that joint, is my muscle staying too tight or is it actually able to relax and let go? And so it's been very helpful to do all of that. But, you know, I put a lot of sweat equity into physical therapy for a lot of years. And it just seemed that we were always still waiting for the body to catch up. We do everything we can to free the nervous system. And then we're waiting for the body to catch up. So without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Megan Notar Tomaso. Thanks for having me, Dr. Mark. It's been fantastic. So on the lines of PT and addressing um, my infatuation with um, chiropractic as well, I think that we our two trades work really well together. Yeah. Um, and like you had said before, I think um, there's a big division between PTs as well. Um, with PTs, you have some of the people that'll just stay in the box and they'll do the same thing over and over again. And at no fault to them, I think a lot of it is because it's insurance-based. So when you're insurance-based, you're, you're required to stay within your window. You're required to follow the protocols that your clinic is giving you. Um, you pretty much have a wrap sheet, and you go by it. So each shoulder patient gets the same shoulder rehab. Each back patient gets the same back, back rehab. Right. What's nice about being a private care, um, private 
practitioner like myself, um, is being able to see the whole picture. So I, I think what makes me different than other PTs is that I have, like yourself, experienced the whole continuum of rehab from being in a car accident myself in 20, 2001, um, which put me through intensive care and then um, inpatient rehab to home care PT and then to outpatient rehab. So I got to see every single level and I loved every single one of my practitioners. But after that whole experience, I went off to school. It pushed me to go to school and like, I want this profession. So in my heart of hearts, I wanted to help people. So in going to school, I learned all of all of the stuff, all the baselines. And like you say, forever students is what I wanted to do. I'm like, I think my superpower is being a researcher because like I am infatuated with learning more and more and more and how I can help. And when I see a problem, I'll attack it. And I want to get to that end range with that person and show them that they can do more. Because when I was a patient, I was also told, you'll never walk, you'll never run. Well, I was going to walk, but I was never going to run again, you know? And to me, that was a big deal. So at this day, I'm 11 years into my PT career, and I am running regularly, and, um, you know, I cycle all the time, I ski, I do everything I want to do. So I want to be able to bring that to my patient, be able to offer those opportunities. Um, And then going back to the whole um, private practice, being in your own private practice and being able to treat the way you want to treat, you are able to focus on different elements. So a PT typically will look at functional mechanics, and that's what makes us, I think, a little bit different than chiropractors. So a person comes in, and I will look, I will screen at how they move first. I get a lot of inventory, a lot of information on looking on how someone bends, how someone rotates, how somebody squats. If they're a golfer, how they swing. If they're a runner, how they stand on one foot. Um, It tells me a lot of uh, feedback of what I'm seeing, what their ankle's doing. And then I'll look at their knee, their hip, all the way up to shoulder. So I can correlate a left ankle injury to a right shoulder pathology. And everything corresponds. So in order to be efficient with your gait, in order to be efficient with your movement patterns, you need to have harmony between the muscle groups. So PTs, I think pretty much are all striving to do that same, but we want, we want full operational potential of each muscle. We want full joint range of each muscle. We want to be able to find out where the handicap is and where the, um, essentially where the aberrant movement is for each movement pattern. So if I see something that's off, I'm going to recheck it. I'm going to look at the muscles associated with that. And I think that's, that's that global image of how people move. But then after you get that image, you're going to focus in on that joint line, right? And you're going to feel. And a lot of it comes down to that tactile sensation and the manual piece that PTs use. We spend a lot of time with our hands on each joint line and making sure that we can um, essentially check off on each joint. Um, I get, I spend a lot of time on initial eval learning the person's body because everybody moves different. And like you said, compensation happens all the time. So you'll see somebody that comes in that has just stepped off a curb wrong and now they're jacked up their hip and I see leg length discrepancy. So people come in like, I don't know what that means, but they say one leg's shorter than the other. Well, that happens a lot, and it doesn't mean that you need surgery. It means that you need a good professional to come and check you out. It means you need to have some mobilization of your hips. It means you need to just be conscious with your exercise, the way you're holding yourself. And typically, 
you can fix yourself with the right professional. So I strive to keep people away from surgeries, which makes me not a huge fan with the surgeons. But um, post-surgery... <laughs> They're afraid of us. Yeah, <laughs> they have a problem sometimes. Um, but I also think that the good ones really appreciate it. Because, yes, I mean, if somebody's in a traumatic, traumatic injury, like a car accident, falling off a cliff, that kind of thing, you're going to seek the traumatic Emergency medical care. care by far is the best in the world right here in the United States. So if I'm going to have a life-threatening incident, by all means, take me to the ER, let them save yes. my life. But when it comes to maintaining these chronic conditions, their approach really, you know, in my opinion, it doesn't put the patient in the middle and then all the services and things to help the patient get to whole as quick as possible mm -hmm. is not the mindset and the scope of practice. It's more sickness care, which it's unfortunately money's in the middle. And then all the services are how we can make the most money off that person's insurance or off that person's case mm -hmm. and not about how can we get them better as quick as possible. So maybe they don't need that surgery or maybe they don't need to have months of missing work. And so, unfortunately, most practitioners out there, they're looking at people with tunnel vision, like, oh, look, it's too high, it's too low, take this, mm -hmm. do this. They're not looking at the whole you. And, you know, with physical therapists, back in the 90s when I first practiced, um, they had a gatekeeper. They didn't let patients just seek you out and say, you know what, I want to go to her because she's going to help really find what what's causing everything to be so jacked up, muscle-wise. Mm -hmm. um, and they had to be referred from another practitioner. And so it limited your scope and your ability, and it kept, kept you handcuffed. And then it wasn't until just in the last decade, a little, little longer than that, that you finally had the ability to uh, either go master's or doctorate and be able to have somebody come directly to you. And so yes. then we have the ability to practice however we deem necessary in our scope of practice, to think of outside the box, like we said, bring all sorts of cool products, cool technologies in that can inevitably help us optimize ourselves and be the best version of ourselves. And I think any practitioner that's been through horrible accidents and recovery, like you and I both, mm -hmm. it makes us more empathic. It makes us more passionate about what they're going through and helps us put ourselves in their shoes and not like, oh, I'm the most intelligent person in the room and you're just going to do what I say. No, I want to know like you do. I want to know what is their life like? What are their limit limitations? Mm -hmm. How can I help you have these breakthroughs? It's all about breakthroughs. And the only way we're going to do that is to optimize every aspect of our body. And so, yes, we focus on our, our distinct professions, but so many of the things you do, I do too. And so many of the things we both do, it's for the same reason and we're just either waiting for the body to catch up or targeting and getting aggressive with that. And even things like with this new ARP therapy, we talk about an instability with the muscles. Well, we can go work out those muscles, but if neurologically I can't connect to it because there's an injury there, it's hours and hours of therapy with little results. Now we have the ability to target and find things and reintegrate and bring that stability back. I mean, this is a day, a happy time to be alive <laughs> and is. to be injured. I think if I had all the access to the things that I know now, back when I was going through it, it wouldn't have been 17 years for me to finally break that pain code and get out of pain. It would have been so much faster. And so that brings me so much joy just knowing where each patient is. And I already know the outcome because I know what we can do for them. And they don't know. They're trying to find hope again. They're trying to believe in, 
in something. And then all of a sudden they meet people like you and I, and it's like, oh my goodness, the first day, so much results. And so oh, there's a lot of people watching from outside the United States, from Canada and from other countries that may have socialized medicine. And I know our country was trying to push towards a socialized medicine where it's basically free healthcare. Mm. And so I want to have a little bit of discussion about the pros and cons of that, because I don't think people really know the right questions to even ask or think about when it comes to that. But my take on it is if I were to be given an opportunity to be a doctor in that system, they're going to give me a base salary. And then it's not going to matter if I saw one person that day or a hundred people that day. I just have to show up like I'm punching the clock, like I'm just a worker. And so the type of people that you're going to get to manage your health, your case, try to optimize you, they're not going to exist within that system. You're going to have to go outside the system. So when we talk about Canada, so many people in Canada that have money, they don't go in the system to get their health care. They go to private practices, concierge doctors, mm -hmm. because these doctors are ones that are going to actually listen to them and be able to pull resources from every means possible to help get you better. So I'm not under the belief that if we switch to a socialized medicine, that that would be a positive thing for anybody. No. As much as most people believe that. And in fact, I tried going to all the doctors in the system when I was disabled mm -hmm. and out the system. And we spent, I can't even, I don't even want to admit how much money we had to spend on trying to find my way back. But so much of the things that we did were outside the box, outside of the traditional system, cost a lot of money, and unfortunately didn't work. I totally agree. I think the socialized system where everybody gets the same care, the same treatment, the same type of non-complacent type of attitudes towards your therapy and towards like even educating and being, I mean, if you're so inundated with people, you just can't give that quality care. So maybe it's not the system that we look at, but it's actually the model that it provide it like produces for the, for the actual providers and how it doesn't, it, do, it just doesn't support a creative environment, you know? And like, the thing is, like you had said, a lot of people will want to say, stay in network and stay in insurance. And they're like, why would I pay more for that? service you know why would I do that but I think it's important to get the care that you need when you need it and you're going to have a better prognosis if you get it sooner and so that's the big piece that I say too so the first person I meet might be you know a low back person that has already gone through the system and got their 70 percent well and now is I want I want more and, and my insurance faded out and I can't do anything now they come to me and I'm all okay yeah that's great and we'll work with you but just know that you would have been a lot better if you came in a lot sooner and we would get results a lot faster and I would be able to go boom, 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 you're out. And I think that model of that social medicine will promote the delayed response to rehab and the delayed response is going to not be as effective. So yeah. thinking outside the box, going to private practice, being able to have that one-on-one -on -one attention that just like, you know, less is more kind of quality, like where you're less meaning less volume, more quality. Um, you're going to be able to have better results. And that's just how it is. The more comp complicated you are too, the more multi-joints that you have going on, the more systematic, the longer it's been. Like all of these things should should factor into whether or not you want to see a regular provider that is going to be out of network and that's going to be more specialized for your care, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And you made another good point on how fast you get in to get care. Mm. 
in our chiropractic profession, if you have a physical injury, you want to find your chiropractor within the first hour. Mm -hmm. And if I can set that joint back into place, typically within a few days, you'll be back to normal again. Mm -hmm. If you wait more than 24 hours, it's going to take me about two or three weeks to get you stable because yeah. the scar tissue that lays in. And if you wait more than three days, it's going to take me two to three months again so because there's too much scar tissue that laid in. And so it really is important that you get on it right away. And, you know, there is a time and a place to go see every type of doctor, mm -hmm. the, the medical doctors, the surgeons, and everybody. There's a time and a place for it. But I too see. often, people don't realize what their choices are. And so they look at their ladder of life, and they're used to the ladder that says, oh, I have a cold, I go get an over-the-counter medication. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, I call my MD, I go get... Uh, and a stronger antibiotic. If that doesn't work, I go to another specialist and get a stronger steroid or a drug, and they just keep going up that mindset instead of thinking, oh, let me drink a bunch of water, make sure I'm not dehydrated, and let me make sure I get my nervous system clear, get an adjustment, or let me take some antioxidants, let me boost my immune system, let me feel what's going on, and do all the natural things that, that I know that I take care of myself when I'm starting to feel compromised. And guess what? We've had that approach my entire life. And I don't think I've ever been sick more than a day or symptomatic because we jump on a different ladder. And I think more people now are jumping on that other ladder. Agreed. And they're not just so quick to jump and get on medications. And I don't want to be on that medication the rest of my life. And I don't like the side effects of those medications. And so more and more people, like I said earlier, are starting to take responsibility for their health and actually doing something about it and not just waiting for the crisis to happen and then having to manage a crisis. Proactive care, yeah. I think there's that huge paradigm shift where people in the medical community are realizing that traditional things are not working. I think regular people are noticing, not regular, but people that are, don't have average medical person. education, the average person, yes, are, are also seeing that. And they're seeing that, hey, if I work on my immune system, if I, if I do a little bit of walking each day, I don't have to take the antidepressant, you know? I can be, I can be healthy without, like... I can have more energy. I can have more <laughs> energy, yeah. You can like, take control of your life. And I think that having that outlook, it just opens this whole door of, like, new health and you know, the age where we move away from pharma, you know, the age where we actually eat the right food in order to facilitate health and wellness. And it's, yeah. it's refreshing. 95% of most everybody's illnesses or conditions can be corrected through just diet. Mm -hmm. If they just stopped eating stuff yes. and ate the things that promote life in their body and not disease and death and all of that, but that's a whole other topic. It is. That we, we don't want to get on today. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I think a lot of patients, when they go in to see a doctor, especially for the first time, they experience what they call the white coat syndrome, mm. and they immediately get fearful or intimidated by the doctor. And the doctor, if he's got a, a he or she has a big ego, when they walk in the room, they want to be known as the smartest and most successful person in the room. Mm -hmm. And, and put that intimidation on you. And I say, don't buy into that at all. They are a person just like you, and you should be able to ask them any question about anything that they're recommending. And if they care about you, they're gonna spend a little bit of time yeah. and explain it to you to make sure that you're both on the same page. Too often people just jump into, he recommended this and I did it, I didn't know anything about it, and now I have a permanent problem because it didn't go as planned. 
you know, thinking surgery wise and so forth. So ask, don't be afraid to ask, yeah. have them explain it in as much detail as you deem necessary. And it's always your choice, whether you choose to do that procedure or not. Don't feel backed into a wall, intimidated. You have no other options. You're always seeking out truth and you're seeking out information. If the information aligns with your heart and with the truth inside of you, then proceed yes. and go for it. But if it doesn't and you feel a hesitation, don't be afraid to cancel. <laughs> don't like just that. go in and jump into a surgery because it was scheduled and you don't want to inconvenience all the people that were showing up today to do all of this. Not saying that I want you to cancel surgeries. I'm just saying you should have decided a long time before you had it scheduled. Is this really what you want to do? And you should be given the information to make you make that decision. I'm so glad you made that comment too, because oftentimes I'll be working with someone and they'll be, you know, I'm going to just sign up for the surgery and um, just get on the books, right? Because it could be three months out where they can get in at that point. So they sign up, we work together, they get better, their pain goes away, their function comes back. And then all of a sudden they don't come into a treat and it's like, oh, I went and got a rhizotomy. Like I just got my, <laughs> I just got injections in my nerve and like dulled my nerve for like six months. And I'm just like, and now they're back at stage one again with me. And I'm like, why, why did you do that? Oh, because it was told to do it. So just know that like, I think a big important thing is to know your body and also have understanding of the people that you're working with, the people that you're working with, like intensively, like myself and yourself that you're working with specifically an hour, two hours, three hours a week, you know, or, you know, seeing consistently that those are the people that will also have your back and be able to give you that indication. If you need them to talk to your surgeon or your, your um, neurologist or whatnot, we can have that communication, a doctor to doctor experience. We can have you on the line so you can understand those are the extra levels that we want to go to. That was, that's what Keep we everybody in the loop. Yeah. Having that understanding, that communication, I, it's not uncommon for me to go to a doctor's appointment with one of my patients to, so that they can understand it and know their options. And like well, we said before, not every PT, not every chiropractic is created equally. It might be one that's just not doing what you need. So mm -hmm. I think it's important to, if you're not getting well with one, you know, with PT, it's usually six visits. If you're not seeing improvements within that six visit mark, you say, you know, I'm going to try a different angle. I'm going to go and see this PT because I really don't want to end up with surgery because there is that infinite right. window with if you're if you're looking at a surgery option, I want to get you fixed within that 13 weeks specifically because healing period or actually 12 weeks outside of that three month mark, you're in that chronic stage and now your surgery is going to be harder for the surgeon. So Absolutely. there's that understanding with the surgeon. There's that understanding with the rehab professional, the prohab, uh, prehab professional, and just communication among the doctors. And that's why a network and alliance like this is so important for me right. to have that kind of communication with yourself and like other providers, you know, the doctors and, and whatnot. So we can have that open communication so that you can make those good decisions for yourself. I've had two injuries this year, one where I tore the ligament off my thumb and the other one where I've jacked up my whole shoulder. And uh, and it was scary. And I'm too busy and have too many people depending on me every day to, to be down and out. Mm -hmm. And so I got adjusted and I just didn't get better. And it was like, I need something more. And then you get in there, you introduce me to a whole bunch of cool things that, I mean, I've done a lot of things before, similar 
but all different professions all different. brought those to me, you yeah, know, so it wasn't under one house, you know, where you were able to do all the different things. So uh, talk a little bit about the things that you did on me and sure, the things sure. that you do with everybody else. And uh, then just backing up a little bit, like you said, direct access to um, PTs right now is fantastic because all of the sports and active people that I see, I'll actually ask them, oh, who's your PT? Because they need to have a muscle scale professional looking at them with a different lens than a PCP that will come in and say, you know, you have back pain, you know, and then go find somebody. Because that connection I want to have with that patient. I want them to come back. I want that word of mouth reputation. And I want them to see, like you said, using all the technology that we have on board for us because we've done the research. We've gone through those those injuries and we figured out ways that work and work for our patients and we can apply those. So a lot of the equipment that I've used that has sped up the normal timeline of that six to eight week that like PTs will say all the time, I sure. need to see you two to three times for six to eight weeks. Um, we I use blood flow um, therapy cuffs, restriction cuffs, which um, will increase your post-surgical return to muscle activity by 25%. And that's not for everyone. So there's other opportunities like ARP, and ARP is fantastic in using it with you. Um, it is a machine that is able to essentially improve the neurological connection with that muscle in, and heighten that message from brain to muscle and work on different pathways so that you can synthesize that connection and wake up these muscles that have become so dormant over time. Yeah. So. It blows my mind seeing all of these technologies put to use. And then like the different minds that we have in collaboration where I see somebody um, moving a different way. I'm like, well, we're going to try this muscle with the art machine today. Or yeah. we're going to try blood flow restriction with this movement pattern because this is what's bothering him. You know, the runner needs to have balance and rotation for my lacrosse player. So, um, yeah. So what I've worked specifically with you as in your question was um, – Cupping. We've done some cupping um, on the upper back, which a lot of the time PTs will use. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with cups. Um, however, using it in a dynamic way is different because it's a way to essentially, if you're not sure what cupping is, it's a device that goes directly onto the skin and you pump it up so it creates a vacuum and it increases blood supply on a superficial level. So it doesn't go super deep. It's going to be working um, on the top layers. So it works with muscles that are um, like back muscles or I'll work it on an IT band, like a lateral portion of your leg um, so that we can increase the blood supply. So for um, Dr. Mark, we used it on his upper back to help some mobility in his upper back um, and to get those muscles firing again because like as he was saying, his curve was flattened through the the lower back and he didn't have that nice kyphotic curve that we like mm -hmm. to see so by putting the cups lateral to the spine and then having engage in an active protractive manner which means pushing his shoulders back and engaging those muscles with a band we were able in long sit position so his feet are out he's able to engage that muscle throughout that full motion which is what pts like to do typically um and um be able to get more movement through those segments. So that was a nice um, way to follow up the manual therapy. The big piece, I think, and the piece that I think some PTs still miss is doing your manual therapy, getting that muscle to appropriately behave, but then stabilize. Stabilization and getting that movement through that muscle so that it can you can go on with your day without pain, walking out without pain 
is going to be a huge thing. The, another feature that we do, which I hold dear to myself, is dry needling. And I think um, Colorado is really fantastic because we approved um, dry needling uh, for reimbursement and all this um, within the last 10 years. So we've been doing it for over 10 years now. Um, you essentially start your start your needling. You're allowed to do it as a PT two years out. And I've, so I've been doing it for nine years now. And I'm, I love it because I see change fast. And I essentially, need, dry needling is an acupuncture type needle. That's the only thing that's the same with acupuncture. Dry needling just means you're not removing any blood you're not, or you're not putting any fluid in. Whereas acupuncture, um, it's the same needle, but you're staying superficial in your tissue. So you do the same meridian points sometimes. There's two trades. Mm-hmm. I'm trained in two different trades. I have kinesio trained, which is essentially learning about pistoning, um, application of how like how far to go down. It was really good for that application. Um, whereas the James Dunning um, course that I took in to correspond um, worked at um, protocols. So it looked at if you have low back pain, this is a great protocol that you can use to target these muscle groups. And it was based more on Chinese philosophy of all of the data points, which I'm research heavy. Mm-hmm. So all of the old like Chinese meridians, liver points, all of that that you can use. Um, and it coupled it with electroneedling, which was like the big wow moment for me. So right. like being that I was working with car accidents and multi-level injuries where I have hips, knees, necks, uh, low back, upper back, I would be able to target different regions a lot faster within one treat and be able to get people better faster. Um, electroneedling, essentially you put the, you go to the correct depth where you want to target. So if it's back and I want to do get some more movement through um, upper back, lower back, I go into multifidi, which is a stabilization muscle. Um, go into that at a certain degree. We all know that. And then I would allow electro needling to the actual needle in that segment. So if I know where it's being delivered because I know the tissue that I'm hitting and I can turn that on. And I would hold on to that until that muscle either turns on or turns off whatever the desired result I would want. Um, and there are other muscles from experimentation that I have found that work better with electroneedling than, than not. Right. So, so having that needle in my neck and then yes. hooking up all that electricity to it, it's quite an interesting feeling. And you have to really relax. And, <laughs> but let me tell you, I left and here I would have been like so much shoulder pain for about four days in a row. And within 20 minutes of leaving, I was down to a pain level one and I went and worked 10 hours that day. So it was like, oh my goodness, it's finally, it all just let go. Yeah. And there are certain muscles, certain muscles that are harder than others. So definitely the um, scaling, like you were talking about, is the one of the ones that's the workhorse of the upper body, the neck. I mean, it's the one that takes over when you're stressed out, when you're forward, when you're like, engaged and um if you can release that vigilant (laughs) it's brutal (laughs) it just grabs that shoulder and doesn't let go yeah and who wants to get no one wants to get needles in the neck so like i try to be very conscious of that and i mean i have been through all of that needling too so i know what the pressure points are and we've also discussed about different ways that we can calm down patients using other things alongside the needling prior to it like essential oils um which has been a huge way to collaborate so i thank you for that too yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and then what about the um our breathalyzer 
analyzer. Oh, so the Pinoe test. Yes. So very exciting because I got a new piece of equipment um, recently, and we I'm so excited to try it on different athletes and. You can work it on uh, anyone that essentially wants to know what's going on with their heart or increase their cardiovascular capability. So full spectrum from heart attack patients that are in rehab and recovery to the weight loss patients that want to just like Mm -hmm. start at a good benchmark and know where their their system falls all the way to the athletes that just want to challenge their systems and keep driving and just stay on top of their goals. So um, what it is, is it's a microanalyzer. So it's a breath analyzer. It's a mask that you would wear on your face. Um, and then you perform whatever your activity of choice is. So if I could, I could use it with firefighters. I could see them climbing stairs and I could say, this is your level of endurance where you're going into the um, anaerobic stage, right? So the, the stage that you now are not in oxygen, right? Essentially what it's doing physiologically is it's, it's reading how much oxygen to carbon dioxide ratio you have in your exhale as you're working out. And it computes that and gives you a final number, which is a VO2 max reading. And that VO2 max reading sets the parameter of what zone you should be in with training. So whether your goal is conditioning, whether your goal is increasing strength or weight management with losing weight, um, you can practice in that specific zone for your target um, person, just specific to you, not based on any 2,220 minus age kind of calculation, which we all know is like an old, antiquated term. Um, And use that with a uh, a regimen that would be planned, right, alongside a nutrition platform um, to see your goals. And so you would do it on day one, and then you go through that protocol um, for the 12 weeks, and then come back at that three-month mark and retest and see it. And I think that test-retest piece is the gratifying um, element that a lot of people don't get. They can actually see it. So even if your waistline doesn't get smaller, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm running faster. I'm like, insides are healthier. I'm healthier, right? yeah. And that's what it's all about. So many people can look fine and beautiful on the outside, mm-hmm. but inside they're a hot mess. <laughs> you got blood just not getting to the areas it needs to get to, neurological yeah. compromise. Their brain can be completely dysregulated, and, mm-hmm. and they're driving down the road next to you. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and seeing how far we push our bodies too, especially yeah. in Colorado, like all of these athletes that are like endurance and like, ultra marathoners and then all of a sudden that you're like what he died you know you just you want to stay healthy you want to maintain it and you want to be able to have that personal look at your own instead of playing the whole gamut of preventative like oh this happened now you're in cardiac rehab program right so it's a way to stay active and push that those limits those boundaries but be safe and know that you have your own self-monitoring way well, I love more than anything that when I try something new, I have a way of testing myself before I do it mm-hmm. and then perform whatever it is for however long I'm supposed to mm-hmm. and then have that post test to know that all that sweat equity paid off. Yes. <laughs> because I get a little ounce of inspiration and I give gallons of perspiration to try to fight for mm-hmm. those results. And so we'll have to have you back again and have a whole cardiovascular talk because yes. we do so much with our GlycoCheck scan and with the different supplements that help improve all of that on top of you know, reaching that max performance and helping people really try to break through and become the best version of themselves. And so much of that requires a lot of hard work, you know, and people just think that they can sit around and wait for their body to 
heal and catch up. But the magic you felt. got areas of your body that are replacing themselves in the exact stage that they're in right now. Mm. And so if you want something different, you have to think outside the box. You have to try to find ways to maximize and optimize our health. And when you find people like us that can find that exact instability and then remove it and bring function back again oh my gosh we can just release people and let them be it's so amazing find them fix them and leave them alone let them just go be educate them that's the big piece i'm i'm here to provide the piece so you understand your body better so you make those decisions you know like i think a big piece of rehab is being able to not only get them better but like be able to give them the tools so they continue to stay better and i mean yeah they're going to come back if they're like working at a like a really high level and they're going to need tune-ups on occasion i have a bunch of athletes that come in on a, a bi-weekly three weeks four week kind of cycle if they're like training for something but there's no need to keep you like constantly doing the same program over and over again mm-hmm. you're not showing performance goals and gains right. so it's excellent to be able to show them the gains and like have them feel great and have them want to come back and retest and having that opportunity yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so is there anything else you want to just say about about what you do about our professions before we wrap it up today. So, um, yes, there is something else I wanted to tell you. Um, it's the question I get is how do I find you or how do I find the correct professional that I want to see? And honestly, that is a big barrier because the referrals that I get are not coming from a lot of doctors and surgeons and whatnot. And a lot of it is word of mouth, and a lot of it is patient patient satisfaction, right? Sure. So. In looking for a good provider, I think it's important to um, meet them. I think it's important to talk to them. I think it's important to see what they offer as uh, modalities. Um, uh, looking at a clinic, I was looking at a clinic for my mom who had low back pain, and she's Massachusetts, so she neither of us sure. can treat her. And I called the facility, and I said, first of all, I Googled, right? That's what we all do. Sure. So I Googled and I was like, I want to find a facility that has ARP because to me, if a facility has progressive equipment, then they're progressive in nature and they're progressive in their thought process and they're in, they're dialed in. I want to have somebody that I know has credentials and that I know has continued their education throughout and that's passionate about it. So the conversation with the actual therapist on the phone is what I want to do to see whether or not I fit into their mold. Are they happy to treat me? You know, do they have an interest in treating um, my condition that I specifically have? It doesn't have to be like solely, you know, somebody that just treats bike, you know, bike PTs or PTs that are cyclists or whatever. But like the whole mentality, like the cardiovascular fitness, if it's important for me to have gains in my cycling, my swimming, my golfing, I want to go to someone like myself, right? I want to be able to know that my person's going to push the envelope and not just work on that box cutter, 70%, you're good, you can fold towels, you can you know, stand up and walk household distances, you're discharged kind of PT. Mm-hmm. I want the one that will show me, hey, yeah, we can get you well within like two to six visits. And then after that, we're going to work on goals that are specific to you. We're going to work on things that you want to get towards. And yeah, that's if great. you're not happy... We're going to keep dialing away or I refer out because I'm not too egomania that I think that I can treat everything. But, yeah, I can get you to where you need to be because I network with people like yourself that have that window. That's another question I ask when I'm looking for chiropractors is do you have a network of other types of doctors that you refer out to if you're not getting results? Mm. You know, how often are you having to refer somebody out? 
you know, if they, they say, yeah, we never refer anybody out, then, That's a you know, flag. maybe what's the average patient visit per year? Like how many times does one patient come in in a year's time in your clinic? Mm -hmm. And if it's like over a hundred visits a year, you know, like, are you ever releasing people from care, mm -hmm. you know, or do you just shift everybody from one phase of care into what you call wellness care that you keep them coming in forever mm -hmm. to, to maintain that, you know, what techniques does the doctor practice, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, does he deal with other things besides chiropractic? I see you have a couple therapies on your website, you know, what types of, what's the most common patient that you guys take care of? Mm -hmm. You know, so you'll, you can ask enough questions, uh, even over the phone before you make your appointment to know, are we in the right ballpark here? Mm -hmm. Okay. Is this person, you know, what it all boils down to is certain people are meant to be practitioners. They're empathic. They're loving. They want the best for the person that they're working with. And they're intuitive enough to know what else they can add and how they can help solve and crack the code of your next breakthrough. Other practitioners, they don't care if 10 people or, or 30 people come in in a day. They just kind of show up and go through the motions and, you know, they've practiced and they may have been really on top of their game early in their career, but they stopped learning. Yes. And they kept in their same loop of this is just what I do. And they'll go for decades doing that. And yes, they're still making a difference in people's lives and they're still on purpose, you know, for whatever that purpose is. But Completely. if you stop learning and you stop evolving and pivoting, then you're missing a big boat and you're leading people down a trail that, that they should have gotten off a long time ago, you know? And so I appreciate, you know, when I find somebody good and trust me, I've had thousands of chiropractors that I've known and, and tried hundreds of them. And, and I'm just a very unique person. I got a lot of injuries, so I just don't let anybody, you know, jump on my back and touch me, but a handful of people I actually trust to do that. But, you know, in general, another thing I want to say to the audience is when you're looking at, you know, how risky is it to go to this type of doctor that somebody referred you or told you you need to go see this type of doctor, you can just Google what's the average malpractice premium for that type of doctor, and then you're going to see how risky it is. So there's a lot of flack about chiropractors, and everybody's afraid of chiropractors, and they think, you know, that you could adjust my neck and paralyze me. Look at our insurance, okay? Every year that a practitioner is in practice, your rates are going to go up every year because you're seeing more people. So now you're responsible for that many more people. They don't care that you've never had an incident, never hurt anybody. They're going to say 10 years, you got thousands of people versus, you know, the hundreds initially. So uh, average medical doctor that's a surgeon is going to pay about $250,000 a year in premiums. And so when they're part of a group, they don't want to risk making an outside-the-box think, thinking recommendation and risk being kicked out of the group because then they're going to have to pay their own insurance. And so right now, the groups will pay that for them. A nurse that is following the direction of the surgeon still has to pay an average of about $40,000 a year. And that's for $1 to $3 million coverage per incident. That's average in our profession. Um, a chiropractor, me being 28 years in practice, I pay about $2,000 a year for that same coverage. And that's gone up every year for 28 years. So in general, chiropractors don't hurt people. Otherwise, we would all be paying the price and we'd all be paying higher premiums. So outside of just knowing the general type of doctor and what their 
overall risk is. And it may, honestly, the reason that the other people have such high risk is they're injecting things, they're cutting on you, they're doing things that could go south and could have complications and you could die. Most people don't die because you got an adjustment. There's been a couple bad chiropractors in a hundred years that maybe somebody had a stroke because they didn't do a proper exam. Um, but that is an incident, a case, you know? And so our profession in general is one of the safest types of doctors you could ever go see. I'm not exactly sure on, on the PT side of things. We are but too. I mean, our highest incident rate is literally leaving a hot pack on too long. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> our insurance is, our insurance is um, 700 a year. So we are right. very, very safe. And right. so for those of you that are scared, I might've yeah. freaked you out with, oh, she stuck all these needles in my neck and then hooked electricity up to it. And it went thump, 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 thump. It was great. I mean, it was, it was, you know, I had to relax. I will, I will admit that, but oh my gosh, the result was worth every minute that I had to sit there and relax to allow you to do that. And, and it wasn't bad. It's just needle. more of a mental thing yeah. more than like, oh, I didn't feel the needle at all until she really hooked, dug it in there a little bit deeper and hooked electricity up to it. But, um, it worked, you know, and that's what it's all about. Try to find something that works, stick to it, get to that next breakthrough and you're going to be so blessed to have your life back and your quality of life back and leave all those badges and those conditions that you used to hold on to so strong. Leave them, leave them behind. They don't suit you anymore. It's just going to be one of these things that, oh, I used to have that. Oh, I've been through that too. But look at me now, right? I have my life back and my abilities back. So hang in there and never stop trying to find that next breakthrough. And not everyone needs needles. You can do other modalities as well right. if you were to have any kind of, not everybody needs needles. Yeah, and you had some other tools that you were kind of digging in there. Grafton we found tools. We found some of the tissue that was just adhered to itself, mm -hmm. and it wasn't healing right with my wrist injury, and you were able to kind of get in there and scrape it a little bit, and then, oh my goodness, it was like the blood flow came back to that area, and and things restored, and, and then all the pain, again, all the pain goes away. Yes. Remember, also one last thing to leave everybody with is your nervous system is only 10% of the fibers are designed for you to feel pain. 90% of the fibers that make up your nervous system are for function. So by the time you ever experience pain, you've already lost 50% of the function of that area before the pain kicks in. So pain's always the last thing to come after the dysfunction and the first thing to leave as the healing starts. But that doesn't mean you're healed. It just means you're out of the red. Now stay on track and stay focused and work really hard and get it stable. And when your healthcare provider tells you you're stable, then go live your life, right? And you don't have to keep doing those therapies anymore. That's another fantastic point because I see a lot of people that will come in that are not in pain. And it's just because they can't do something anymore. So I can't shovel anymore or I can't dance anymore. They can't, it's the I can'ts that I hear that are like, well, what do you want to get back to? You know, because we can work in the pain zone and we can also work in the dysfunction zone. So I'm glad you brought that up as well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and thank you for watching today. It's, uh, it's been my privilege to help you understand a little bit deeper about chiropractic. So many people really just don't understand it. And it always shocks me when I learn that only 5% of the country has ever been to a chiropractor. It's like, what does everybody else do? <laughs> they just take a pill and mask the pain, and then they live with that condition the rest of their life. And all oh, that knee, I heard it in high school, and it's been a bum knee ever since. And it's, it's just not necessary anymore. So we try to make platforms like this to give you guys the information that you need 
to start taking care and responsibility for your own health. It's nobody else's responsibility how you're going to live and how you're going to feel and how you're going to experience life for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. My father always said is he never wants to be in an old folks home unless he owns it and knows he owns it, which means he has to be very healthy to the very end. And like, and like, like I've always said, I want to live wide open to the best of my potential till the last day when the Lord takes me home. None of this slow decline in my quality of life because I'm getting older. That is a bunch of hogwash. We want to be able to not live that existence, but turn it back around. Take responsibility for your own health. Not be afraid to try new things. Do new things. Stay active. People are just not active nowadays. A body in motion stays in motion. Now we have so many amazing technologies, therapies, and products that just help us reach that potential so quickly that there's no reason to not try, you know, and there's no reason because there's so many new things that are available for us right here, right now, and there's so many things that are going to be invented. So for those of you that haven't found your breakthrough yet, hang in there long enough to either find that new invention, that new product that's going to turn the tide for you and that's going to give you better function again. Focus on function, focus on being in tune with yourself. Like Dr. Meg said, the best thing that we can do is educate you to know how it is you're feeling and what that means and how to interpret what's going on inside your body. And the more in tune you are, the healthier you're going to be and the faster you're going to overcome injuries and respond to illnesses and sicknesses and really get your game back and maintain the best possible health you can until the day the Lord takes us all home. So thanks again for watching and you have a blessed day. Talk to you next time. Hello, Good News Doctor audio listeners. This is Daniel DeBrinkett, Dr. Mark DeBrinkett's son and producer and editor of this show. I wanted to let the audio listeners know that if you liked this episode, you're going to love our new main channel YouTube video where my pops, he goes through and he teaches you what chiropractor you want. And then he explains in a lot of detail how a good chiropractor will look at you and fix you. It's a really great five minute little video. I would highly recommend going and watching it. And while you're over there, feel free to subscribe so that you can watch the video version of each podcast and feel free to subscribe to our Clips channel. The Good News Doctor Clips is where we upload small segments from each podcast so that if you don't have time to listen to the whole one, you will know that you got the best little segments from each show each week. Follow, subscribe, like, and share with your friends. Thank you so much and have a fantastic day. Oh, I'm starting to sound like my pops.